Thank you so much for joining us here at Word Baptist Church. I'm Jamar Andrews. I'm the lead pastor, and I get the great privilege of shepherding here. I'm excited that you're joining us today for this sermon. You're about to receive text-driven preaching. My prayer is that God speaks to you through this time as you listen to this message. So enjoy, and God bless. Good morning. I want to invite you to open your Bible to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 6, verses 8 through 23 is where we'll be at this morning. Uh, and while you're getting there, I just want to take a moment to introduce myself. I know most of you are, are shocked to see me up here. Uh, my name is, is Aaron. I'm our youth and college pastor here at Word, and I've been, uh, I've been on staff actually here since 20, 2016, and actually been, uh, this has been the place where I've called my church home since 2013. So Many of you, you've probably seen me, you may know me, may not know me, uh, but uh, Jamar has asked me to fill in this morning. He's out of town, and so I get the privilege of, of being the one that uh, gets to get this final message in our series. We've been working through a series titled uh, Victory, You Worked It For Good, and uh, just so you know, he's very upset he had to miss this one. He was very excited about this particular passage, and I'm excited about it. It's a great passage, uh, but he did have to miss, and this will be our final message in this series, and we'll I'll be jumping to a new one. But in this series, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. Um, uh, many of you that, if you've been here the whole time, been hanging with us, we started uh, back in the book of Ruth. Uh, so we, we first looked at Ruth and her life and how the Lord took situations in her life and circumstances and different challenges and battles she was facing and how the Lord turned those things for good and brought a great blessing to her and her family. And then once we finished Ruth, we, we went to Elisha. And that's where we're at today is, is focusing on the life of Elisha. And so we see that Elisha, he was this, uh, this shepherd boy um, and became a prophet of God. And um, he's, he's been involved with big things as well as small things. He's been involved with developing a war strategy for, uh, for the nation of Israel. He's, he's raised a, a young boy that was sick who died. He raised him from the dead and, and was with him and his family. He, another family that they were in debt and the, the, they were going to lose their children. And Elisha, he came to them, comforted them, and, and put together a plan, and uh, God provided for that family so that they would be able to keep their children. We saw a couple weeks ago that he actually was involved with healing a man from another nation. Uh, another nation healed him from leprosy. And then last week we saw that he was actually, he actually was a general contractor too. He, he helped the, the, the sons of the prophets build new facilities. They had outgrown their facilities and were, were needing a bigger place. And so they asked Elisha to come down and, and help them build that and be involved with that, and he did. And so he's been involved with a lot of different things. Some of them have seemed insignificant, and some of them have been major things, but the Lord has used him to turn all these situations uh, and, and give people a victory. And uh, the Lord has blessed the work of his hands, and, and I believe there's, there's no different today. Today we're going to see that the Lord uses Elisha as a peacemaker between two nations. And so once again, he's back in the political scene. He's back on the large scale dealing with war and different things and so it will be uh it'll be a, a great we'll learn a lot from our passage today i believe that the passage this morning is very helpful for us it teaches us that the lord is willing to fight our battles he's willing to fight our battles and give us the information the protection and the plan we need for a victory and you see that's the title of our sermon today is that the battle is the lord's the battle is the lord's and i believe that when i look out i see a lot of different faces, a lot of different individuals, and I believe that every single person in this room is in the middle of a battle or a crisis or, or something is going on in your life that you have to make decisions about. And so that's why I believe our passage today is so practical and helpful for us today. Our first movement, we're going to see uh, there's, there's three points to this sermon. The first one is that the Lord gives you the information you need. When you're in a battle, the Lord gives you the information you need. The second point is the Lord gives you the protection you need. And then our final movement will be that the Lord gives you the plan you need. So I hope you've had an opportunity to find uh, 2 Kings chapter 6. I'm going to begin reading in verse 8. We've got a long haul, so hang with me. Now the king of Aram was warring against Israel. And he counseled with his servants, saying, In such and such a place shall be my camp. The man of God sent word to the king of Israel, saying, Beware that you do not pass this place, for the Arameans are coming down there. The king of Israel sent to the place about which the man of God had told him. Thus he warned him, 
so that he guarded himself there more than once or twice. Now the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, and he called to his servants and said to them, Will you tell me which of us is for the king of Israel? One of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha, the prophet who is in Israel, tells the king of Israel the words that you speak in your bedroom. So he said, Go and see where he is, that I may send and take him. And it was told him, saying, Behold, he is in Dothan. He sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and they came by night and surrounded the city. Now the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Then Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. And the Lord opened the servant's eyes, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Then Elisha said to them, This is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, and I will bring you to the man whom you seek. And he brought them to Samaria. When they had come into Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of these men, that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes, and they saw, and behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. Then the king of Israel, when he saw them, said to Elisha, My father, shall I kill them? Shall I kill them? He answered, You shall not kill them. Would you kill those you have taken captive with your sword and with your bow? Set bread and water before them, and they, that they may eat and drink and go to their master. So he prepared a great feast for them. And when they had eaten and drunk, he sent them away. And they went to their master. And the marauding bands of the Armenians did not come again into the land of Israel. We got a lot to cover. Uh, there's so much happening in this scene, and it's a, a, a great passage of Scripture. But I want to start with our first point, that, that the Lord gives you the information you need. And I want to set the context just a little bit. Uh, we see here that the, the king of Aram was warring against Israel. Now, Aram is modern-day Syria. Uh, Aram and Israel, they border each other, they're bordering nations. And so it would have been common for them to, to war in this time. They would have had many battles with each other. Uh, they were no strangers to each other. And so we don't know the, the reason that they're fighting here, but we know that the king of Aram, is, he's wanting to, to war against Israel. And he's, he's putting together secret plans. He's being deceptive. He's sending his army in certain places. He's trying to plot where the king will be, and he's trying to plan a surprise attack. attack. And uh, there's just one problem. This guy, Elisha, keeps on ruining that plan. He keeps on tipping off the king of Israel to what the king of Aram is doing. Now, a little bit more about these individuals. Uh, the king of Israel at this time, Israel went through a series of different kings. They, they had many different kings and leaders, and most of them were evil kings. They were bad kings. They didn't do what the Lord asked them to do. They didn't obey the Lord. They didn't worship the Lord. They didn't follow the Lord. And this king is one of those. He wasn't a great king. He, uh, under his watch, idols uh, came into Israel, and there was a lot of idolatry. So Israel, the nation of Israel, was following his lead, and they weren't even doing what the Lord had asked them to do. And so Elisha, in this, he doesn't necessarily agree with what's going on in his country. He doesn't necessarily see eye to eye with the king of Israel at this time. In, in fact, if you read a little further in this chapter, we're not going to get there today, but if you read a little further in this chapter, Elisha and this king actually have beef, and uh, the king wants to actually kill Elisha. And so it's, it's interesting to me that the man that's saving his life, actually he wants to kill him later on. And so we see that these two don't necessarily always get along. And Elisha doesn't agree with the things going on in the, in the nation overall. There's, there's idolatry in those things. And so Elisha, being a man of God, it, it, he, doesn't, he doesn't support that. But yet, the Lord wants to use Elisha in this. Uh, Elisha was not on the king's cabinet. He wasn't involved with making decisions for Israel. He wasn't some uh, big politician or some big donor to the king, none of those things. He was an average man, as I mentioned earlier, just a shepherd boy. And uh, the Lord still wanted to use him in this. And he gave Elisha the information he needed to be able to, to get it to where, where it needed to be. And this information he gave Elisha, it protected the king of Israel, it protected the, the army of Israel, 
And so this information that the Lord was giving him was actually preserving Israel and protecting Israel in the midst of a war and a battle. Now, this isn't the only time that God gives humans, individuals, uh, humans, the only time he gives humans information they need to preserve life and to protect life. We have, if you just pick up and begin reading in Genesis, you're going to see account after account of, of people that are in a crisis, in a war, their life is being threatened, and the Lord is giving them the information they need to, to save it. One of my favorite accounts is actually Daniel. Uh, Daniel in chapter 2, Daniel was taken captive by the king of Babylon, and uh, the king enlisted him to be one of his wise men, in, in, and he had many wise men, and so Daniel was one of them. And in this chapter, chapter 2, Daniel chapter 2, the king has a dream, and he asked the wise men to interpret it. He asked the wise men to interpret it, and not a single wise man can do it. He, and in fact, the king doesn't even tell them the dream. He said, I'm not going to tell you the dream, uh, because if I tell you, then you'll come up with something. And so he didn't tell them the dream, and none of the wise men could, could answer it, could, could figure it out. And the king said, you know what? I'm done with these wise men. I want them all killed. And so he issued uh, that all the wise men be killed, and this included Daniel and his friends. And so Daniel found out about it. It says they came to look for Daniel to kill him. And Daniel found out about it, and he went to the king and said, King, give me a little bit of time. I believe I can figure it out. And so Daniel, he went to his friends, and he said, Hey, let's seek the Lord. Let's pray to the Lord, and I believe the Lord will give us the information we need to be able to interpret his dream. And he did. God gave Daniel the information, and Daniel was able to interpret the dream to the king, and it preserved Daniel's life, it preserved his friend's life, and it also preserved the life of the other wise men there. And so we see that the Lord, he gives us the information for the battles we need. What about you? Does he give us the information we need for the battles and the crises we're facing? And I believe the answer is yes. I believe the answer is yes. Depending on what battle you're facing, maybe it's a, a battle at your job. Maybe you're struggling with making a decision there. Maybe you're struggling with your boss. Maybe you're struggling with your coworkers. Or what about your marriage? Maybe you and your spouse are not seeing eye to eye and you're there's, there's a, a battle going on between you and your spouse. Or maybe it's even your kids. Your kids are disbehaving or they're not behaving and they're, they're, uh, they're rebelling against you. You're not sure what to do with them. Does, does, does the Lord give us any information about these things? Our finances? What about a battle with yourself? Maybe some of you are struggling with a battle with yourself. Maybe it's a, it's a personal thing like, uh, you know, anger, addiction. We have all types of different battles and crises going on in our life. And the question is, is does the Lord give us the information we need to be victorious in those battles? And I believe the answer is yes. I believe it's, it's right here. He doesn't have to do like he did with some of these prophets and with some of these people. That He doesn't have to come to us in a dream or visit us in a dream. He's spoken to us in his word right here. And it, I believe that the Bible has all the information we need to be victorious in whatever situation or circumstance or battle you're facing. Now. It may look different. It may look different, right? These people, they didn't have computers and social media and cars and all these different technology, but the answer is still the same. The answer is still the same, and, it, and the Lord has given, it, given us the information we need in his word. You may be asking where I get that from. I want you to look at, at Psalm 119, Psalm 119, uh, 105, I believe is a great encouragement. Psalm 119, verse 105, I believe is a great encouragement. If you haven't read Psalm 119 in a while, I encourage you to go read it. It's going to take you a minute. You know, about 20 minutes probably, 20, 30 minutes. But I encourage you to go read this chapter because this chapter, it talks about the Word of God and the benefits the Word of God has for us in our life. And I believe this verse is a very popular verse. I believe it's very fitting uh, today. Psalm 119, 105. It says, Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. You see, when you're at a crossroads, when you're in a battle and a crisis and struggling, God's Word will give you the direction you need. It'll give you the information you need to be victorious. Now, moving on from there, we see that Elisha, he keeps on interrupting this king's plans. And in verse 11, we see the king's reaction, the king of Aram. We see his reaction to his plans continue to get messed up. He says, the heart of the king of Aram was enraged over this thing, and he called his servants and said to them, will you tell me which one of us is for the king of Israel? And one of his servants said, No, my lord, O king, but Elisha the prophet who is in Israel tells the king of Israel the words you speak in your bedroom. And so we see the king, he, he takes the right steps here. His plans keep getting messed up. And he automatically assumes it has to be someone because I haven't made these things public. It's been secret. He, he knows it's been a secret thing. And so he automatically assumes it's someone from his camp tipping off the king of Israel. 
And so he begins to investigate. And I think it's so funny in his investigation, he finds out that it's a man that he possibly has never met in another country that's tipping the king off about the things that he's doing and saying in private. And so my question was, was how does he know about this man? How did this servant, how did this servant know about this man, Elisha? And I believe we get our answer back in uh, 2 Kings chapter 5. If y'all remember Naaman, Naaman was actually the king, the captain of the army of Aram. And so this, this nation that is warring against Israel right now, the, the captain of that army, Naaman, went to Israel. He, he, had, he had leprosy, and his slave told him, hey, there's a prophet in, in Israel that can cure you of that leprosy. And so Naaman got a leave of absence, went to visit Elisha, and he was. He was healed of leprosy. And this text doesn't tell us it was a result of Naaman, but what we know is that Naaman came back. He, he went back to his post. Elisha sent him back, and he came back, and I believe when people saw Elisha for the first time, they were able to hug him, eat a meal with him, you know, be around him for a long day. The first time they were able to do that, and I believe they were probably asking Elisha, man, what happened? How'd it go? We see you got some new skin. And I believe, I believe Naaman was, was quick to share, hey, I did get new skin, but I got a new heart too. And I believe he told them about the God of Israel. I believe he told them about Elisha and what Elisha had done for him. But not only that, we know that Naaman took some people with him. And so I believe these servants that were with Naaman, I believe they were, went back and they were sharing as well. And so this king, he was familiar with Elisha, at least. And you see, he didn't give any pushback. When, when they said, oh, it's Elisha. He's telling the, the king of Israel your plans. This king didn't give any pushback, right? He said, okay, let's set a plan for him. Let's, let's go after him. And we see that he says, go see where he is. And they tell him he's in Dothan. And so he said, all right, let's go after him. And he sent an army. Can you just imagine those servants that were involved with that? Like, I can just see them talking to the king and saying, so let me get this right, king. The man that's telling the king of Israel your plans, you want us to go after him now? You want us to go put a surprise attack on, attack on him? You don't think he's going to know, king? You don't think he's going to flee or, or have an army there waiting on us? Right? It sounds like a foolish king. I believe this king, though, knew what he was doing. You see, the king, he wanted to get the king of Israel. And I believe he knew that Elisha would know his plan. And I believe he was hoping that the army would be there so that he could get a victory. Now, that's, that's a little bit of speculation, but that's what I believe is happening here. And I believe we do the same thing sometimes. You know, this king, he was trying to, to set Elisha and the king up. He was trying to set them up. He was trying to deceive them. And so he gave them plans when really his intentions were to get the king still. And I believe that we do the same things. We, we come up with things in our mind and we justify things and we try to lie about our intentions about things. I see this show up most of the time when people are looking for like a new vehicle or a new house or something. Like, God, if you give me that house, you know, I'm going to use it. I'm going to have people over. I'm going to share the word. I'm going to use this car you gave me. I'm going to transport people. I'm going to give them rides. Like we, we lie about our intentions for some of these things. It comes up in very subtle ways, but I believe it comes up still nonetheless. And for some people, it's in, it's in larger ways. And I believe we try to deceive God and try, try to get one over on him. Psalm 139 has an answer for that. Psalm 139, if you'll, turn, if you'll pull that one up. You know, we try to deceive God. We try to lie about our intentions. We try to hide our intentions. But here's a problem. Psalm 139, there's a, it points out a flaw in our thinking. Verse 1, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You understand my thought from afar. You scrutinize my path and my lying down and are intimately acquainted with all my ways. Even before there is a word on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all. You have enclosed me behind and before and laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is too high. I cannot attain to it. Where can I go from your spirit or where can I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, behold, you are there. If I take the wings of the dawn, if I dwell in the remotest parts of the sea, even there your hand will lead me and your right hand will lay hold of me. See, the Lord, he knows our thoughts. He knows our intentions. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And so if you, you want to try to deceive him, it's going to be very hard to deceive him. Uh, you can you could lie to us about your intentions. You could try to hide those things. But the Lord, he knows them. And, and you're not going to get one over on him. Now, let me warn you, there are consequences 
when you do try to get one over on God, unfortunately, there are consequences. And uh, I'm not going to pull these up, but you can go read them for yourself. Joshua chapter 7, there's, there's a story of a man named Achan. And Achan, uh, they went to the, the army of the, uh, Joshua led the army into Jericho. They took over Jericho, and, and, and God told them, don't take nothing. Don't take any possessions. They belong to me. You're going to beat this. You're going you're to be victorious, but I don't want you to take a single item from there. And Achan, he said, you know what? Why is it good for us to leave all this stuff here? In there, there's a lot of stuff. Why is it good for me to leave it? And so he took some, buried it, and hid in his tent. The next battle they go out, and the Lord's not with them, and they actually lose the battle miserably. And Joshua says, oh, Lord, what happened? And God said, y'all, y'all didn't listen to me. Y'all stole. Y'all stole. And so he said, who did? And, and the guy told him, Achan. And so he went and questioned Achan. And sure enough, Achan had the possessions in his tent, hidden them. And it cost Achan his life. But not only Achan, it cost his family. You know, Joshua, and they, 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 they killed Achan and his entire family. Another passage, uh, Acts chapter 5, if you want a New Testament passage, Ananias and Sapphira. Y'all, y'all remember them? They, they, they sold a piece of land, and they brought it before the apostles, and they said, hey, here's all the profits from that land. And they asked, and they said, is that all the money you made off that land? Yeah, it is. God struck them dead right there, right there in front of them. And so we see there are consequences when we lie to God and when we hide our intentions. We should be honest. And I believe this king, he was hiding his intentions, and he wasn't going to get one over on the Lord. See, the Lord had already given Elisha the information he needed. You know, the last thing I, I, I like about this section that we see, it's, it's, it's funny to me that it closes out that now the, the king, he was focused on the king of, of, of Israel. That's who he wanted. He wanted the king of Israel. But we see as Elisha entered the picture, as Elisha is the one now, the vessel that God is using to protect the king. Now he gets drugged into this, and the king switches his focus to now he wants to focus a little bit on Elisha. I believe the same thing is true in our lives. When when we're in the midst of a battle or a crisis or there's something going on and we're taking God's word, we're reading God's word, we're applying God's word, we're hearing from God, we're getting the information we need to be successful. I believe the enemy is going to switch his gaze and we're going to get in his crosshairs. And, and it sounds crazy. You're thinking, oh, you know, I'm doing what God wanted me to do. I'm following the will of God. Why am I now the, the target of the enemy? It's because exactly that. You're doing the will of God and you're doing what God would have you do. And you're going to potentially be in the crosshairs. But I'm so thankful that being in the crosshairs of the enemy is not a problem for God. You see, we're going to see in this next movement that he gives the protection that we need. And, and that's exactly what he does for Elisha. As the enemy focuses his attention to Elisha, God gives him the protection he needs to be victorious in this battle. Starting in verse 15, we see that the attendant of the man of God had risen early and gone out. Behold, an army with horses and chariots was circling the city. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? So he answered, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. I believe there's a few things that, that uh, are worth pointing out here. Number one, we see this attendant. And, and I can just imagine what's going through his mind. He steps out. He wakes up early. For, for all y'all that sleep in, this is a, a verse right here. You need to be getting up early. Uh, but I believe that he goes out and he sees this army. And he's panicked and he's flustered and he's worried and he's fearful. And then Elisha, I could just imagine their conversation. He tells Elisha and he says, what are we going to do? And he says, hey, there's more of us than of them. And I, I, I could just imagine a look on his face. He's like, one, two. And I could just imagine him saying, okay, look, Elisha, I know it's early. I'm going to go get your coffee. I'm going to let you think about this. You, you look around, evaluate. It's only two of us. And we see that he, he, was, he, he wasn't in tune with the reality that was going on. And I believe here we, we can be encouraged. This man who was flustered, was scared, was worried, he had someone he could go to that could encourage him. He had a mentor in his life. See, Elisha was his mentor, someone that could, when, when his world was going crazy, when he didn't know what to do, he had someone that was rock solid, that was firm in the faith that he could go to and say, what do we do? And Elisha could give him some strong counsel. Now, I don't believe Elisha got that on his own. I believe Elisha had a mentor named Elijah. And I believe that Elisha was seeing something that his, his, his mentor had seen and dealt with. You see, in uh, 1 Kings chapter 19, Elijah was, had just defeated some 
he had just had a major victory for a guy. And the king at that time, they began to kill all the prophets in the land. And Elijah believed that he was the last one left. He was like, I'm the only prophet left. And he called out to God. He said, God, please just take me. Just take me out. I don't want to be here. I'm the only one that, that loves you. I'm the only one that worships you and honors, honors your name. And God was like, hang on. That's not true. You can't see things from my perspective. He said, you know, I, I've, I've held back 7,000 men who haven't worshipped or hadn't been to knee to, to, to Baal. And so I believe that Elijah, Elijah had shared that with Elisha. And so in a similar situation where men are coming for him, when his life is in harm's way, Elisha can have that confidence that, that his mentor had given to him. Now, the question in here is, is, do you have a mentor? Do you have someone in your life that you can go to when, when you're uncertain, when the battle's raging, when things are difficult? Do you have someone that has rock-solid faith that you can turn to and ask for guidance or for help? It doesn't have to be some big-time pastor, big-time big successful businessman. It can be someone that, that is a little bit further down the road than you, that has maybe had to deal with rebellious children, or maybe has struggled with finances or their marriage, and, and they've reconciled those things and worked those things out, and they're better for it on this hand. And maybe it's someone that, that can just you can go to when you're in the midst of those problems and say, hey, how did you do it? How did you do it? Help me. I'm worried. I'm afraid. I don't know what the, the right step is. I don't know what the right decision is. For some of you in college, maybe it's, hey, I'm getting close to graduating. I'm scared. I'm worried. I don't know what the next step is. I guarantee you, you have someone in your life that's been there, that's done that, that's taken that next step. And you can go to them for encouragement. You need a mentor in your life. But also we see here the need for a mentee. And so Elisha, he didn't store this information for himself. He didn't keep it to himself. He passed it to a younger, a younger guy. And could it be that, that someone in your circle could, could use some encouragement, could use some, something that you have? You don't have to be the smartest person, the brightest person. You just have to, maybe it's some life experience that you need to share with them to encourage them and to help keep them grounded. Now, if you don't know anyone like that, I got, I got a word for you. We got plenty of people up here that could use what you have. I told you earlier I served with youth in college, uh, and I'll speak for IG who's over there on the children's side. On a Wednesday night when, with pre-COVID, and I believe post-COVID, we're going to have anywhere from 50 to 70 kids up here that, that could use someone like you in their life, someone to encourage them, someone that, that you know, they come from broken homes and all kinds of different cir circumstances and situations. They're struggling with so much, and they could use someone in their life that's grounded in the Word of God to encourage them and, and keep them grounded. You know, another thing about Elisha, I believe, is that the most important thing is he had a, a different perspective. He had a perspective that, that this guy didn't see. See, this guy was counting two people, and Elisha was counting, probably couldn't count them. He knew that there was more of them than, than the enemy had. And so he had a different perspective than his uh, attendant here. Now, Elisha, he, he realized there was more of the physical world. There was actually this spiritual reality that we have to be able to see that comes into play in our world. Uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians 14. 2 Corinthians 14. Or 2 Corinthians 4, excuse me, 2 Corinthians 4. Paul talks a little bit about this unseen spiritual world. 4.18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. We see here that, that there's this unseen world that, that truly matters. The, the true Christian is the one whose life is guided by the unseen realities of the spiritual world, not by the five senses. Now, God gave us five senses, so we need to use them. We need to use them wisely. And I'm so thankful he gave us taste. I love to eat, uh, specifically cookies. Uh, but... I'm so glad he gave us that. But that's not how we should always dictate and, and, and live our lives. We sing that song, Waymaker. Uh, even when I can't see it, you're working. And we see here that there's this, this spiritual world that we don't necessarily always see. We're not always aware of it. And that's the world that matters. That's the world that we should live our life by. As believers in here, that's where we should put our focus. Now, the question is, is how do I see this spiritual world, Right? That's the important question is, how do I see this spiritual world? And I believe Paul gives us the answer in Colossians. 
Colossians chapter 3, verses 1 and 2. He tells us, therefore, if you have been, if you have been raised up with Christ. So the first step, you need to be raised with Christ. You need to be a believer in here. That's the first step. I talk to people all the time that are non-believers that are unaware of spiritual things. They don't care anything about the Bible or anything about God. And guess what? They have a different perspective than I do. Or should I say, I have a different perspective than they do. I see a world that they're not in tune with at all, that they don't even care about. And so the first step is you got to be raised up with Christ. Uh, and he goes on to say, keep seeking the things above where Christ is, uh, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the things that are on earth. And so he tells us our focus. Not only do we have to be raised with Christ, but we have to keep seeking and, and drawing our attention to the things that are above, the things that we can't see the things that are not on earth. This attendant was focused on the, the earthly reality. He could see men. He could see the chariots. He could see the army circling the city. He could only see Elisha. He couldn't see uh, what, what, the, what the Lord had around him. And so we have to be raised with Christ and keep focusing on the things that are above, the things we can't see. We should, we should be living on earth with a, with a heavenly perspective. And the last thing I think about Elisha is that Elisha was aware of who was fighting his battles. He realized that the Lord was using him. He was doing the things that God wanted him to do. And he had this heavenly perspective that God was going to take care of him, that God was going to offer them the protection. And I believe Psalm 21 is a great passage for us as we think about uh, when we're in the midst of struggles and temptations and difficulties. Psalm 21 is a great encouragement for you. And I believe that this was the thought process of Elisha here. I believe this was his thought process. Psalm 121. Let me get there. I will lift up my eyes to the mountains. From where shall my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, who made heaven and earth. He will not allow your foot to slip. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord is your keeper. The Lord is your shade on your right hand. The sun will not smite you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will protect you from all evil. That's a great verse to, to if you want to get a tattoo, there you go. Uh, he, will, he will keep your soul. The Lord will guard your going out and your coming in from this time forth and forever. See, I believe Elisha, he had this perspective that the Lord was going to fight his battles. He had made a decision a long time that he was going to serve God and honor God and, and worship God, and he put his confidence that the Lord was going to take care of his battles and fight his battles for him. And the Lord was faithful. He did those things, right? He delivered the army uh, to him. And so we see here uh, that God provides this army. He says, uh, there are more with us than those who are with them. And he was counting on this army. And we see that Elisha, he prays for this young man. He prays and says, Lord, change his perspective. Open his eyes. Help him to see things the way that I'm seeing things. Help him to see you the way that I see you. Help him to understand that you're in control and you're fighting the battle for us. And so Elisha prays this short prayer, open his eyes. And the Lord opened his eyes and, uh, and he could see, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. See, I believe this section talks about angels, so we need to talk a little bit about them. This isn't, I don't believe this servant, I don't believe he saw the, the angel you see on, and portrayed by Hollywood, with white clothes and little wings and real peaceful and nice and gentle. And I believe this was an intense, fierce, mean-looking group of angels. I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, chariots full of fire, I believe they were ready for battle. They were locked in, focused. And I believe that there are a lot of different ministries of angels. Some of them are to, you know, to deliver the word and the law. They are to, uh, basically their ministry is to do God's bidding. They, they're going to do what God has asked them to do. And one of their ministries is protection. And we see them doing that here. Now, I don't think from here you can make a case for, for guardian angels. Uh, some people, they, they go back and forth about guardian angels. And I believe that we have angels that protect us. I don't know that Scripture, see, we see an, an angel assigned to us that's walking with us all the time protecting us. I believe we have a host of angels that the Lord is, is ready to use in our defense, and that's what we see here for Elisha. But this isn't the only place we see angels offering protection. Uh, if you want to go read this week, 
Go read Acts chapter 5 and Acts chapter 12. We see uh, Peter and the apostles, they're in prison. They're uh, facing persecution from the, the leaders at that time. And the Lord uses angels to come and to protect them and save them and actually deliver them from jail. One account, Peter's sleeping between two guards. He's sleeping between them. And the angel comes and taps him on the side, wakes him up and says, come on, come out with me. And he leaves and the angel opened the gate for him and got him out of there. You see, angels, they protect us. And I believe this, angel, this, this group of angels, they were, they were ready uh, to do what the Lord wanted them to do. And in verse 18, we see the enemy makes his move. He says, when they came down to him, so the army, they started moving in on Elisha. And Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, strike this people with blindness, I pray. You see, Elisha, he was living in the reality that he had the protection of God, so he was going to use it. He was going to take advantage of it. I believe many times as believers, we, we don't take advantage of the things that God has given us. The Lord has given us so many different things, and we let them sit on the table, idle. We don't use them. They collect in dust. Elisha, he knew that God was protected. He wanted to use and take advantage of it, and so he prayed. He prayed for something only the Lord could do. He prayed for blindness. He could have prayed for a thousand things, but he prayed for blindness. The reason I believe he prayed for blindness is because I believe Elisha knew God's word, and he knew how God had operated in the past. You see, this isn't the first time that uh, God used blindness to, to mess up an enemy. He had used it before, and so Elisha was in tune with how God operated, and that was what his prayer was. He was praying something that he had seen God do before, that he knew God had done before. And so for us in our prayer, one, we need to pray big, bold prayers, things that only God can do. When we're in the midst of a battle and a struggle and a crisis, we need to pray prayers that only God can answer. And so he prayed for blindness. And then, two, we need to be familiar with how God operates and moves and pray those things. We don't need to come up with new ways or new things. Like I said, we already have the information we need. But the only way you're going to know that is if, if you're familiar with God's Word. Are you reading God's Word? Are you studying God's Word? As believers today, I don't believe there's any excuse that we shouldn't be able to, to get in God's Word on a regular basis. Many of us, I probably all of us in here have a smartphone. You can set up a reminder on your phone and say, hey, I hadn't read the Word today. You download the Bible app, they'll send you a notification if you hadn't opened it. And they'll remind you. The built-in accountability. And so there's no excuse for us. And, and, and Elisha, he was familiar with how God operated, and that's how he prayed. He prayed within the bounds of God and how God operated. He knew uh, what he was doing. And then I love this part. I love that the angels, they were there. They were circling the enemy. But notice, they didn't do anything until Elisha prayed. They didn't make a move until Elisha prayed. The enemy came down on him, and they were waiting on Elisha to pray. I believe God, he wants to protect us and to, to help us through battles and help us to see victory, but he's waiting on you to pray. He's waiting on us to make the first move. He's there waiting. He, he's, the armies are there. They're with us. They're protecting us. I believe there's, there's angels in here surrounding us now protecting us. And oftentimes he's just waiting on us to, to pray. You know, Elisha here, he, he took a stand for God. And, and what I've seen when I read Scripture and even personally in my life is that when you take a stand for God, he honors that. He honors that. These angels, God answered the prayer. He allowed these angels to blind this enemy. And I believe that when you take a stand for God, no matter how bad the crisis is, no matter how bad the struggle is, he's going to honor that. Whether it be your marriage, school, job, whatever it may be, I believe when you take a stand for God, he honors that. And like I said, I've seen it. You read Scripture and you see it over and over again, and personally in my life I've seen it. I think about Daniel. Daniel, one of my, I've referenced him already. Another great chapter from there is Daniel chapter 4. Three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they made a decision to take a stand for God. This king said, hey, you're going to bow down and worship me when this music plays. And they said, no, we're not. We only bow to one king, and that's the Lord. And they said, Okay. Cranked up a fire. We're going to throw them in the fiery furnace. And, and they put them in there. And guess what? There were four men in there. There weren't three. The king was amazed. They had someone in there protecting them. These men, they took a stand for God, and God honored that. Are you willing to take a stand for God? Because I can, I can assure you, you have his protection when you do. Now, this section, it closes with Elisha. He's the one that's in control here. 
he, he strike him with blindness, and he says, hey, this isn't the place you need to be. This isn't the man you're looking for. Let me take you to him. See, originally, if you go back up, verse 8, they wanted the king of Israel. And so Elisha said, hey, let me just take you to him. I got your attention. I'll lead you right to him. I'll take you to the front door. And so Elisha, he's leading this, this group now, and that, that brings our next section that uh, the Lord gives, us, gives you the plan you need. And so Elisha, he takes these men, and they're in Dothan, and he's going to lead them to Samaria. That's about 10 miles, about 10 miles. Can, can you imagine leading a group of guys, blind guys, a large group, 10 miles? Like, if you blindfolded me right now, I would have trouble getting to the back wall. And so Elisha is charged with, with leading this group of blind men 10 miles. I can only imagine what these guys were thinking. They, they were probably so confused. You know, they, they came to capture a man. They came to capture Elisha. And now Elisha has captured them. They came. They surrounded the, the city, right? They surrounded Elisha. They surrounded the city. And now when they wake up, when they get their sight back, when they come to Samaria, Elisha said, Oh, Lord, open the eyes of these men that they may see. And they saw that they were in the midst of Samaria. And so they came. They were in charge. Now they're not in charge anymore. They're being led by Elisha. They were doing surrounding. Elisha led them there, and now they're surrounded by the enemy. Can you imagine the thoughts going through their mind? And, and that's what I believe about the Lord, is that he can take a battle, a crisis, a situation, one prayer, one prayer, and he can flip that thing. He can flip it. He can change the circumstances with one prayer. And that's exactly what he did here. He, he, he protected them, and then he gave them a plan. You see, the difference is, is that Elisha, he prayed for it. And then Elisha was willing to follow the plan and work. You see, I bet Elisha didn't wake up that morning thinking, man, I'm excited about leading a group of blind men 10 miles through the wilderness to get to Samaria. I, I bet he wasn't excited about that. But he said, you know what, Lord, if that's your plan, if that's going to bring about the, the safety and the protection of Israel, and then that's going to be what you want to do, I'm going to do it. And I believe a lot of times in the midst of our battles and our crisis, we're not willing to put in the work. We're not ready to make that commitment to say, you know what, Lord, if I got to walk 10 miles, I'm going to walk 10 miles. Many of us, were, we, we, and when I'm, I'm talking about myself too, we have pride, we have different things we deal with that when the Lord is asking us to do something, we say, you know what, I'll pray for it, but I'm not going to do that. Lord, I'm not going to follow through with that. I don't want to put in the work. And Elisha, he was willing to do that. He was willing to get involved with the plan. You see, this whole way there, the blindness, I believe that the Lord was getting these soldiers' attention. I believe he was using a major circumstance in their life, a, a major catastrophe in their life to get their attention and to draw them in. And I imagine when they got there, when they opened their eyes, many of them thought, man, this is it for us. This is it. It's our last day here. We're not going to make it out of this. And I believe that he set them up. He set them up. He brought about this catastrophe. He had them scared, had them worried. And then what Elisha do? Elisha said, don't kill them which I believe uh, shocked the king and all these other people. I bet they were so excited. The Lord brought the enemy to us. Hallelujah. I bet they thought that was the plan. And Elisha said, no, don't kill him. I bet they were like, hang on, Elisha, hang on. You're not a commander. You don't know nothing about war. And Elisha was letting them know, hey, look, I got a plan from the Lord. And he ordered them to be fed. He ordered them to be fed. He showed them mercy. He showed them mercy. You see, Elisha was looking at a bigger picture. He had a different plan than the king of Israel had. He had a plan from God, and, and that plan involved turning enemies into friends. You see, in this culture, when you shared in a meal together, you entered into a covenant with each other. And so they entered into this covenant to where they would now be friends instead of enemies. And so he fed them. He had a meal with them to, to enact that covenant. And I believe we see this principle in Romans chapter 12, verse 20 and 21. We see this principle here. It says, but if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And if he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not, overcome, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. And that's what Elisha was doing. He was overcoming evil with good. He saw a bigger picture. He knew that if they killed these men, the king was going to enlist more people and send them back and, and retaliate. The wars were going to continue. One enemy would retaliate. And they would be mad, and so the other nation would retaliate, and they would be mad, and it would go back and forth. And Elisha had a bigger plan here. His plan was to bring peace about, uh, 
for the nation. I believe the Lord does this for us. You see, I believe that we are enemies of God. And I believe that he has a bigger plan for us. I believe he wants to turn us from enemies into friends. If you'll look at Romans chapter 5. This is how I want to close with Romans 5. Romans 5. Uh, chapter, uh, Romans chapter 5 verses 6 through 11. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man. Though perhaps for the good man, someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exalt in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. You see, God reconciled us. While we were enemies, while we were helpless, while we didn't care about him, these men, they came to capture Elisha. They came to kill the king of Israel. And yet he made friends out of them. That's the same thing God did for us. We, we're enemies. We're helpless. We, we were defenseless. We we didn't care anything about spiritual things. And, and God said, you know what? I'm going to give him my son. I'm going to give him my son. I'm going to reconcile people that don't love me, don't care for me. I'm going to reconcile them to myself and make them friends and bring them into my family. He just asked one thing. He asked that you do one thing. He asked that you repent and believe the gospel, the good news of Christ, the good news that Christ came and died on the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. That's all he asked you. We didn't have to jump through any hoops or do any big crazy things. All we had to do was he made the sacrifice and he said, look, all I want you to do is to repent and believe the gospel. Mark 1.15. You see, God, he wants to give you a victory. I don't know what battles or circumstances or challenges you're facing right now, but God, he wants to give you a victory. But he's only offering that to those that are on his team. Those that are willing to come under the will of God and repent and believe and worship Him. He's only offering that to His team. He's offering, in the midst of your battle, He wants to give you all this information. He wants to give you the plan for victory. He wants to give you the protection for the victory. He wants to give you all those things, but you have to be willing to accept it and follow it and trust Him. The question is, is that is, is, do you want to join the team? Are you on the team or are you not on the team? Are you in this nation, in this this, this men that, that came to attack Elisha, that came to attack the king of Israel, or are you with God? Are you willing to accept the mercy and the forgiveness that he's willing to offer you? If you want to do that, all he wants you to do is repent and believe. It's very simple. And if you haven't done that, I encourage you to do it now. If maybe you're a believer in here and you haven't taken advantage of some of these benefits that the Lord is offering. Maybe you've tried to get one over on him. Maybe there's some things in your life that you're struggling with that you need to repent. And maybe he's trying to help you in a battle and you're not letting him. Same applies to you. Repent and believe. And so if you haven't done that this morning, if you need to do this, this is, I can't think of a better time than to do it now. I'm going to pray. And if you'll join me, I'm praying. Father, we are um, so thankful for your word. Thankful that you have given us all the things we need to be successful in this life, all the things we need to be victorious in this life. Lord, you've offered us more than we can imagine. You have, have turned us from enemies into friends. And Lord, if there are any in here that haven't done that, Lord, if, 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 that haven't, I pray that you'd open their eyes, Lord. I pray that you would open their eyes to see the reality, the reality that, Lord, you are working in their lives. You, there are circumstances in their lives that, Lord, you're using to draw them and to turn it for good. Open their eyes, Lord, that they would see and that they would repent and believe. That they would come to you and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I agree with, with you. I, I want to be on your team. And that they would thank you for the sacrifice you made in your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, the fact that 
that you left heaven, you came to earth to walk amongst us, to down a cross, a death that you didn't deserve, and you were willing to show us mercy. Lord, we, we should suffer the consequences for our sin, but Lord, you want to show us mercy. Just like these men, Lord, they came as enemies. Instead of, instead of killing them and taking them out, Lord, you showed them mercy. And you're doing the same for us, Lord. I pray that we would accept that mercy, that we wouldn't take advantage of it, that we wouldn't miss the opportunity, but we would take this moment to, to trust you, put our faith in you. But I pray that your word this morning would give us a great encouragement. Lord, I am thankful for this time, and I pray that, Lord, you would work and move. But he's singing in your son's name. Amen. I hope God spoke to you during the message today. We want to know about it. You can fill out a connection card at wordbaptist.com slash connection card. We want to help you through any spiritual questions you may have while you're on this journey. You see, we believe that the first step is for a person to give their life to Jesus Christ. The Bible is very clear that the greatest need that humanity has is to be saved. And that the only way to be saved is through Jesus Christ. If you will agree with God that you need him for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will turn to him in repentance and believe in him, uh, you will be saved. The Bible says that you do this by one, believing that Jesus Christ died and was raised from the dead and that you believe that his payment is sufficient for you, that you will call out to him as Lord and Savior. He will save you. If you're listening to the service and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come and be our guest during a time of worship. We have multiple services. We would love to meet you personally and have you here for worship. You can check us out at wordbaptist.com for service time. If you've missed any sermons, they're all archived there online, so you can go back and watch them. You can connect with us on social media, at Word Baptist. If you would like to invest in the ministry and continue the spread of the gospel, you can give online at wordbaptist.com give. I'm so grateful that you've joined us today, and I hope you've learned something that you can apply to your life, and we hope to see you again next time, right here at Word Baptist Church.